Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34. On May 1st, 1886, more than 300,000 workers from 13,000 businesses walked out of their jobs across the country in solidarity to fight for the rights of working people. Fair wages, safe work environment, health care, paid holidays to name a few. But in 135 years, the fight for the worker continues. My name is Joyce Nagira, and I am a proud member of the National Union of Healthcare Workers. I stand here along with you, my brothers and sisters, in solidarity to fight for workers' rights, COVID-19 justice, and of course, immigration reform. I have worked for Keck Medical Center of USC for three years as a medical assistant or patient care assistant, excuse me. And as of yesterday, myself and over 1,500 healthcare workers at Keck Medical Center are working without a contract. Not because we want to, but because USC chooses to treat its employees unjustly. through a global pandemic. And how does USC repay us? They cut our retirement, refuse to pay hazard pay, take away our paid holidays, compromise worker safety, refuse free health care for all, and want to silence us by banning public actions, info pickets, and leafing. For NUHW, worker justice is immigrant justice. As a sanctuary union, we urge the Senate and the House to create a path to citizenship for all of the 11 million immigrants in the U.S. Thank you, and the lucha sigue! This week in honor of May Day, I wanted to focus on two workers' rights stories. The first is about Kroger. Kroger is a large grocery store conglomerate that is very profitable. Yet they have decided that they are going to close stores in areas that are, need to be serviced by them that would be otherwise food deserts instead of paying hero pay to their workers. It's a story of greed, but the workers are fighting back. So we're here at the Food for Less in East Hollywood. They've been, uh, they've had plans to close down five different uh, Kroger branches, and they're saying it's in response to um, the hero pay or hazard pay ordinance. Basically, since the pandemic, Los Angeles has said that stores have to pay anywhere from four to five dollars more. Um, to their employees for hazard pay. And uh, other stores like Vaughn's and Target have been doing it. Uh, Kroger's basically trying to use intimidation tactics against cities to basically say, hey, if you do this, we're going to shut down stores. There's also some rumors going that like 
this was probably planned anyways like they were going to close this store and others this store closing is going to leave a food desert for the residents of this community and um you know it's a really it's a it's a lower income area and it's interesting because like you go just up the street and there's a rouse that's in like a higher income part of the area and it's more expensive and it's and it's and it's difficult we, we came in flyer the other day and like residents didn't even know about it and we're up we're outraged so um, we had folks that were like, hey, give me some extra flyers so I can pass it around. But uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really sad and it's happening here in, in East Hollywood. There are, there are two stores in, in Long Beach uh, and then there's a store in Pico Rivera and another one in Slauson that are all closing. And I believe there's also some similar things going on in Seattle as well. So we've got three events going on today, one here, one in Long Beach and one in Seattle that are all kind of working together. We've got the UFCW out here, groups like Lane, L-A-A-N, that's uh, a group that works closely with them. And then we've been coalitioning with my group, Abra, and, uh, and other groups such as some of the folks that are in, uh, in Long Beach with, with different, different groups that formed during the summer. Um, yeah, and so we're just trying to help the, uh, uh, the workers, we're trying to help the communities, and we also want to help find alternatives because while we want to do what we can to prevent these stores from shutting down, we also want to try to make sure that we provide for the needs of the community if the stores do shut down. So, you know, we would like to get folks some alternatives. We would like to, uh, to, to, to tell them about alternatives that, that exist already, but also hopefully try to get in, if the store does close, get in another, uh, another store that can replace it that is of the same type. So, especially like one that if possible would be controlled by the workers directly. That would be the, 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 the dream goal, so. Right, so like Winco, which is a worker zone co-op. Right, yeah, and we have um, we have some individuals who, who have been kind of in talks with us that, that do that kind of work, that actually like help fund worker cooperatives. But yeah, Winco is a good example. There are plenty of others as well. If you go to uh, you know, the San Francisco area, they have like, you know, the Rainbow Grocery and other places like that as well, so. And I would have been a Good morning, buenos dias. Welcome, bienvenidos uh, to Food for Less. This is Food for Less 362. <clears throat> this is one of the stores that Kroger has announced that it will be closing. Um, during the uh, pandemic, so for the past over a year now, workers at Food for Less and Ralph's, both owned by Kroger, have been risking their lives, their health, the health and safety of their families to provide food to their communities. The communities decided that because of the risk that they've been taking, that these workers deserve an increase in pay and many communities, LA, South Pasadena, Glendale, uh, Long Beach, Montebello, and many others, Santa Monica, I can't even name them all, but many, many communities within LA County decided to give an increase uh, in pay as a result of this, these risks that these workers were taking. Soon thereafter, Kroger announced the closure of three stores claiming that they were closing the stores in response to the hazard pay. And they did this to threaten and bully other communities. Then they went around to other communities saying, hey, if you pass hazard pay, we're gonna close your stores too. And this was a big lie. 
a total lie. The stores that they're closing are not underperforming stores, particularly not this store, which makes almost a million dollars a week in sales. That's a very high performing store. There are other reasons totally unrelated to hazard pay that they're closing this store. So they are lying in order to threaten and bully communities. Over the last year, Kroger's profit went up by more than 50% to $2.6 billion. $2.6 billion with a B. That's profit. And they are not sharing it with the people who have earned that profit for them. The CEO, Rodney McMullen, makes over $20 million a year. And they cannot increase the pay of these workers on the front lines. It's despicable. Kroger can do better. And we're here to demand that they do better. Because as a community member, they need to do better to stay in these communities and to then close these stores and deny 250 workers jobs in the city of LA, despicable, totally despicable. So we have a number of people here today. Um, I'm gonna first, we have several workers who actually work at this store and are um, uh, here today to speak. So I'm first gonna call on Omar Hernandez to tell you um, his story about uh, what's happening here at this store. So Omar. Uh, hello, my name is Omar Hernandez and I've been working at this store for more than 10 years. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, it was really, really hard for us to work because mainly these stores didn't follow protocols. Most of the time they didn't close the stores, they didn't keep lines here. We were always in jeopardy working working with a big, huge crowd and I kept telling my managers to close the doors when we can. Sometimes they were dating once or they didn't ignore me. But as you can see, it was really, really hard for us. And now that they're closing the store, I'm really mad about it and disappointed because we were the ones here working hard, giving the community food, and for us to just give us that and not appreciate the hard work we do, we did through the pandemic, it's not fair. They just keep their, the money, and all we have just asking is just you know to appreciate us and to acknowledge us that we're here for the community. We're here, the ones who are working hard, and we're here day and night. They want us to be working for here. So that's, that's my part of the story. Thanks, Omar. And then we also have Julian Aguayo. You want to hold your son? Yes. This is Julian Aguayo. He also works at this store. Hello, everybody. Um, yeah, I've been working in this Food for Less company for eight years. I'm going on nine pretty soon. And um, it's, just, it's just ridiculous what the corporate is doing right now, knowing that they're closing my store um, over, over a little small amount of hazard pay that we deserve throughout this whole pandemic. Not only that, but knowing that we put our lives at risk since last year, knowing that we made a lot of money and we're still making money this year as well too. And at the same time, they just want to just bully us, treat us like we're nothing want to close this store down just for four little months. Temporary hazard pay. They make it sound like it's permanently, but it's not. So my message to Kroger and to the CEO, Ronnie Ramon, it's like, just, just stop bullying us, man, because we, we can't take it no more. Knowing that you're just, what, in your house, on your mansion, or wherever that you are, 
know, just relaxing, making so much money. Why we're over here busting our butts off, you know? And knowing that you're punishing us, and we don't deserve this. We really don't deserve this. And that's my message to Romney uh, McMullen is just stop bullying us, really. Stop. Thank you, Julian. Um, we also have a, a number of community members here today. Um, so first, we're going to hear from Karen Ayers, who is the political action chair of the Stonewall Democratic Club. Hi, my name is Karen Ayers. I'm the political chair of the Stonewall Democrats. And we're here today because we, we stand by Julian and Omar and hundreds of other grocery store workers who work for Kroger, but they're not valued by Kroger. They're not valued because Kroger is balking at the idea of a temporary hazard pay for these workers. And they're, they, they're so against it that they are willing to threaten to shut down grocery stores and leave out hundreds of employees on the street without a job to take away their employment of hundreds of workers. We stand by these workers. They have, I, I'm a former grocery store worker too, and I know the kind of work they do, but I don't know what they've been experiencing this last year. It's gotta be incredibly stressful to be on the front lines, making sure everything is business as usual, that your, your, your customers are safe, that you're getting products on the shelves and feeding your community. They deserve the hero pay. Stonewall Democrats stand with Kroger workers and it's just crazy that the CEO can be making millions of dollars but he can't shell out a few extra bucks an hour for these workers who are coming in day in and day out to serve the community. Shame on Kroger. Thank you. I'm Rabbi Daniel Charney, a member of Clergy Lady United for Economic Justice, CLU Los Angeles Committee. I'm here to support the grocery workers here at Food for Less. As essential workers during this pandemic, they have continued to put their health on the line to keep our communities fed and connected to critical resources. They don't work for Kroger, they work for us, members of this community. As followers of traditions that teach us to pursue justice and equity, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, and overcome our natural human inclination toward apathy for the plight of the downtrodden, we cannot stand idly by as the blood of our brothers and sisters who work for Kroger and the communities they serve is shed to further enrich those who can stand to share their God-given blessings with others. Shame on Kroger. Kroger donates money in the name of racial equity and food security, yet eliminates jobs for their workers who are primarily people of color and harming communities who relied on these stores for food and resources during this awful year of pandemic. Kroger's actions against a temporary hazard pay by closing stores is impacting more than 250 workers and their households during this pandemic, not to mention the millions of people who depend on these stores to put food on their tables. No other grocery companies are closing because of hazard pay. Myself and my fellow clergy members at Clue stand in solidarity with the workers here at the Food for Less and all Kroger workers. Thank you. 
everybody, I'm Skylar Summers. I'm a Latina trans woman. Uh, I'm District 6 Neighborhood Council representative for East Hollywood Neighborhood Council, uh, recording secretary, and I'm also the uh, the I'm also the I apologize. I'm I'm the uh, chair of the LGBTQ plus allies committee on the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council. Uh, when I was a young kid, Food for Less used to offer a community, the community a shuttle service to their homes if they bought groceries. That's why it surprises me that now they could justify closing this store because they don't want to pay their heroes for the services they have performed. They have risked their lives during a very difficult time. We can't forget the word hero applies to them just as much as it applies to the doctors who have been treating our sick. They gave our community sustenance with a lot less PPE. Yo escucho a, mi, a la gente en mi vecindad y está muy triste que van a cerrar. No, no todos tienen un carro para ir a hacer marqueta. Estas personas son nuestros amigos. Hemos hablado con ellos y son como familia. Y cuando dañan a nuestra familia, tenemos que protegerlos. I've heard my people in the community, and they are really sad it's closing. Not everyone has a car, has an access to a car to do groceries elsewhere, and getting rid of food for less hits everyone hard. These people are our friends. They become people we talk to and see on a regular basis. They are like our family. And when you hurt our family, we have to protect them. These people deserve the pay increase. They didn't deserve for Kroger to put them out. Thank you. close by. They are now threatened because that store closed and they gave us a CVS. So now we pay more money for less food. We don't have quality food. Black and brown communities are devastated by these closures. So we want to thank USCW Local 770 for standing up for the people and standing up for the community. How dare they close our That should be a they made $2.6 billion during the pandemic while these heroes in here working risk their lives. How dare they? Shame on them. And we're going to fight and fight and not allow these stores to close. Thank you. Thank you. And again, thank everybody out here. Yes. No, I'm just part of the community. It's gonna be hurting me because now my family and I we we, we depend on the store, and also my neighbors. There's old ladies that it's much it's gonna be very hard for her for them to to shop to do their grocery. They can drive, so it's gonna be much much harder for them. Absolutely. So I'm out here with uh, the DSALA, Democratic Socialists of America, and we're here supporting uh, the Food for Less workers that are uh, at risk of being laid off um, as a result of being granted uh, $5 hazard pay um, during the pandemic. The city recently granted them that hazard pay, and Kroger has threatened to close several of their Food for Less stores around the city, including this branch right here. So we're out here standing in solidarity with those Food for Less workers 
um, who are have been a lifeline for our community. Um, you know, in closing these stores, where Kroger is the largest grocery grocery store by revenue in the in the country. They're the fifth largest retailer in the world, and they're going to tell us that it's untenable to pay five dollars more in hazard pay when uh, our communities are suffering, when there's a global pandemic going on, when people. Uh, already have limited access to healthy food at an affordable price. It's going to uh, hurt our community. It's going to hurt those workers. It's going to hurt everybody that lives here. So we're here in, in support of our community, our neighbors. Many of the workers at Food for Less are black and brown people um, that already have enough to deal with without losing their jobs, uh, their ability to contribute to our community. So we're here standing with them in solidarity um, and we're not going away. This next story is an interview with a Amazon worker named Jordan Flowers who has lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune disease. So while dealing with having lupus, he's been having to battle Amazon during the pandemic. Thank you for having me. So you have a little bit of a more unique situation in the sense that you are battling uh, lupus, which is an auto, Correct. yeah, and that's an autoimmune disease. Uh, there's no cure for it. It's something that you have to learn to live with per se. And Amazon was aware that you had lupus, uh, were they not? Correct. So now walk us through uh, everything that happened with your job uh, from the start of when coronavirus became a problem. And uh, the obvious implication of this is if you have lupus, uh, catching COVID could be a deadly thing because you are susceptible. You're one of those groups that's, that is more susceptible. Correct. So um, I could take it back to the first time they actually fired me. I was in the hospital night prior to uh, my, my first, my starter shift, uh, Having lupus nephritis, I'm also at a stroke, a stroke risk. I have high blood pressure. Um, the hospital made me stay out. Uh, Amazon put me on a short-term disability leave. Uh, it didn't go so well. They terminated me and rehired me. And ever since then, before pandemic, I've just been notifying them that uh, my health-wise, that it's you know my health issue is is important. That I'm I'm still willing to work, but I just have to be more more concerned and more aware before pandemic, prior to pandemic, I should say, that um, months, months up going to coronavirus, when we first announced about it uh, in the foreign world, that I even, I still, I stayed out of work for a whole month. Yeah. And then prior to me coming back, when the uh, coronavirus hit the United States, uh, JFK, Staten Island, New York, uh, we actually, sorry, we actually, we actually had uh, unlimited UPT. I gotta hold this, I'm sorry. I had un we had unlimited UPT and I had to stay out. And by the moment they they stopped offering it to everyone and everyone had to return to work, which is May Day, May first. Uh, I was still scared to go back. People were contracting it left and right. Uh, the employees are testing employees. They're not medically trained, not doctor trained. No type of CNA, RN, no type of nursing degree, doctorate. Uh, and I already seen that 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 was a that was a red flag. If employees are testing employees. What's, what would happen if an employee's tested me and they have it? I can contract it. And being that now I'm at a risk of a kidney transplant, uh, there's a 30 to 35% chance that I could end up on a ventilator or a respirator in a hospital fighting for my life. And Amazon hasn't cooperated until this day. 
they're still they're trying to terminate me and they're just saying that it's gonna be job abandoning which it's not it's just i, I i'm afraid to go to work uh, i don't want to you know risk my health to be at a, a warehouse for 10 hours and be around employees that have have tested positive without you know human resources or leadership telling their employees yeah, no, that's pretty outrageous. Uh, so you mentioned that they had employees doing uh, other employee tests originally. Correct. Talk a little bit about that. My understanding is that they uh, basically didn't train these employees to give the test. They just they assigned them to do this. They didn't give them proper uh, protective wear. And um, obviously, if they're not a nurse, they don't know what they're doing. And that could make the entire system problematic. But I'm, I'm guessing Correct. that they did that to save money. Correct. Correct. Uh- I mean, you know, we're in a time, we're in a time and era that they can put a, a, a testing site right next to the warehouse. We have, we have a, a whole bunch of land that they could, they could set a station for doctors and nurses and people that are medically trained to test us right in, right in the same area as where we work at. Whereas we don't have to travel probably five, six, seven miles to a real testing site and then mail it to them. Whereas they can have all the employees test right there at a, a legit site. And they can have all the real information right there, but they rather save money and just make employees test employees, which is already seen. And even to really sum it all up, look at Prashawn Brown. She wasn't doctorate. We talked to her family. She she was not a medical doctor. She was nothing. She was just an employee, a hardworking employee at that. That Dave was making her test it, and look, she lost her life. Yeah. Due to COVID. Yeah. Now you were in the same facility as Prashawn. Did you know her? No, I was JFK with Chris oh, Malls and Derek Palmer. Okay. So in the general vicinity, but not the same, um, same location. Okay, so now you were terminated right after this beginning of COVID. Do you think that was retaliation because that you had lupus and they knew it and they knew that could be a potential problem? Or do you think there's more to that story? What are, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are, honestly, uh, I, 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 I just feel like personally an honest, an honest feeling. Um, I'm just one. I'm just one human being that they could just fire me right now and replace me. Replace me for someone else the next day, and won't have to worry about me. And uh, like I said, it's it's just it's just the sense that you know I'm I'm fighting. I'm giving them everything that they need, any type of doctor's notes, and it's just I'm just getting these threats that I'm I'm abandoning my job. I'm not abandoning my job. It's just I'm in a really really yeah. health risk right now. A high health risk. And they don't they don't want to they don't want to help at all. It's just like, as I mentioned earlier at the statement, they rather it's like they want to just fire me and replace me. I'm only one man. There's seven billion people in the world. Wow. So basically their stance was when you didn't when you said, look, I have lupus. This is a very scary could be a very life threatening disease for me. These uh, the protective uh, situation isn't happening here on the floor. Their response to you was that, well, you've abandoned your job. That doesn't seem like a legitimate response or an appropriate response. Um, so, but they eventually, I guess, gave you your job back. Did you get an attorney in between those things to work with you on this, or did they just change their mind? How did that happen? Uh, an attorney was an attorney was involved. Uh, okay. So, with with that, uh, sorry. So. With that, uh, yeah, I had an attorney involved. It, it was, it was, the, it was just the fact that, you know, it, Amazon is not unionized. That's one thing. So Amazon could play their cards with any employee. You could be the hardest working employee, and they'll still fire you just for, for no reason. Uh, me, I've been 
since the walkout of March uh, March 31st, 2020, when we all walked out, I've been complaining for a whole year to the media. Listen, Amazon's not helping me and I have a health issue. And to this day, I, I give every media the same speech. It's just that now yeah. I have a kidney transplant. So now I'm at even a greater risk. I'm just, and if the response is, you know, you're just, you're going to be terminated for job abandonment. And it's, it's still, it's still a fact that, you know, I speak, I spoke out for a whole year. I've, I've been telling them for the longest that I need, I need some type of help. And they just, it's like, they want to replace me. That's it. Yeah. Which is wow. So the original walkout that you're referring to is the one that Chris Small organized. Got terminated. It got yes. Yeah, yes, and eventually got terminated. And that was all relative to the lack of COVID protections at the facility. That is correct. Uh, so let me ask you this. Um, how bad was the social distancing um, aspect of this story? They, My understanding is that there was absolutely no social distancing on the floor. And there was really, quite frankly, too many employees working for that to be a possibility. Would you agree with well, that? Yep, you answered your own question. You're in a warehouse of 5,000 workers. How do you social distance? It's, it's impossible. Right. They got Derek on the final writer for not social distancing, but everyone's running the clock out. So how can you do social distance when people are trying to clock out? It's hard. And like I said, it's a warehouse of 5,000 workers. And not just all at one time. It's different shifts. But there's people coming in and out, in and out, in and out. No one's really social distancing. It's hard. It's, a, it's impossible to social distance in a warehouse of 5,000 of people working and people coming in and out. So we've now also heard reports because of there were that many employees working at one time that they would manage media when media showed up to do stories. Um, were you ever present during one of these media days in which they sent all of the workers on break to make it uh, to make it appear as if there were less workers involved and that they were using the CD, CDC guidelines and social distancing properly? So, no, but okay. uh, employees been telling me now that they, they changed the break times. So not everyone's going to be on the same break. Uh, okay. It was a simple, you know, 15, 30, 15. Now it's I'll go on break from 1130 to 12. And then my friend, per se, will go at 12 to 12 to 1230. And then my other one will go from 1230 to one. So we're all not together no more. It's all broke. It's all broken up now. I and it's it is it's for them to social distance. But like I said, it's. You're still, it's still hard on everyone that is, you know, janitorial service that still has to clean. You have to look at that. You have maintenance workers that still have to come around. You have safety that's still walking around. So even them breaking up uh, people's break times to different times, it's still it's still that it's they're trying to just cover it up now. But it's it's already been seen. It's been seen that there's been no social distancing inside the warehouse. Even at the beginning of the pandemic, when they started seeing social distance. If you've seen all the warehouses, JFK was the highest. And we were num we're number one in the network. We're the biggest facility in the world. Now, also, um, there was some, I believe, some, uh, my understanding, some problems with the contact tracing uh, program or app that they were using. You were apparently supposed to receive notification if you had been in contact with another employee that um, right. caught COVID. But my understanding is that they weren't really following through with those notifications and that you would get these notifications that somebody contacted COVID, but you had no idea who they were, what team they were on, or where in the warehouse they had been. It, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, we, we as Tier 1 Associates in the warehouse, you know, we actually all had to come together and like, hey, someone tested positive in Outbound Ship Dock or in PCF or 
impact. We, as employees, we would have to tell each other because leadership, the HR, even our manager wouldn't even want to tell us. Wow. And it's, it's a shame that me, like I said, me with a health issue, and even past me, we have people that live with their mom and dads or people that live with their kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have people like us have to know that because we might have to quarantine away from our family. And if you're not telling us, you're going to make me at risk, a, a mother with a child or a child to a parent or just your community. We'll even put it like that, your community. We could throw that in. You could just put your community at risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with, with, with that being said, it's you know, they, they weren't notifying us. So as employees, we would have to reach out and figure out what employee tested positive. And when they did, we had to figure out what department. And then we would have to backtrack and see what employees were there around them that certain day. Even like Chris's story validates it, that they said he had the quarantine, but Derek, he drives Derek work back and forth every day. Wow. So how come Chris had the quarantine, but Derek didn't? Yeah, that just doesn't make sense because apparently Derek never received notifications that Chris had tested positive, even though this contact tracing app was supposed to be working. So it, it clearly isn't functioning if that's the case. It's done. If there nope, people, even add this on, I'm sorry, even to add this on, uh, when someone did test positive, they will notify employees later, but it could be two, three days later. Right. So now we're talking that the employees are already out. Two, three days later, we're getting an email, hey, someone tested positive in your department. No, the moment someone gets positive, we understand HIPAA laws that we're not supposed to give out names. But as long as you, they worked at this station at this time or they was around this group of people, mm -hmm. then that gives us a heads up that these employees have to be tested. These amount of stations have to be thoroughly clean. And, you know, it, it's like you can't notify someone two, three days later. If someone tests the positive, we have to know ASAP. Right. We have families. We have medical issues. And we have to know ASAP. Right. Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, so how often were people coming down with COVID in that facility, would you say? How many times a week would you be notified that somebody had tested positive? From the start, we, we probably get like two to three That's every every fast. week. And then, you know, it adds up. It spreads fast. So we went from two to three to five to seven. Five to seven goes to seven to ten. And honestly, we lost, we lost count of how many employees because so many employees had tested positive that the way Amazon started covering up, they started saying, hey, um, you know, an employee tested positive today. Now they're not giving us numbers. Now they're just saying employees. Now that can mean multiple. I see. That can mean more than two. That can mean more than right. three. Now that you're not giving us a number, we can't even contact, uh, you know, keeping keep count of how many employees. You're just saying employees are tested positive. Now it's, now we have to now we have to estimate now. Now five thousand workers is seven to ten. We're talking about right. at least two hundred to three hundred in each department, maybe more than that. And now you have to estimate. Now you have to break it down. And this is too many numbers to be involved. Right. So now we're just like, okay, now there's like a hundred employees now that test positive. But that's still the truth, cause there's still we're still right. getting these numbers and we're still getting these letters stating that employees are testing positive. But now that we're seeing that it's becoming a weekly thing, now we're just adding on. Now, this week, we could say that maybe 15, 20 more and just keep adding and adding. It's a year now. So we're probably saying at least a quarter of the building possibly tested positive. And maybe another quarter already had it and asymptomatic that they had right. it and didn't even have no symptoms. That's right. And now and you're passing it on and you're passing it on. 
Yeah, and there's not really up. any way to measure that. So let me. So so they went from giving a number of how many employees tested positive to just saying blanketly employees. So yep. that tells me that was an exponential increase at some point. Uh, what That's about correct. what month was that 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 started happening? Uh, April May, where April, where it May. starts to oh, get so warmer. I mean, early on, more people. Yeah, where where actually, yeah, going into Prime Week, go, the months going up to Prime Week, the numbers just add up and add up. And the reason why they're really also hiding it is because once the employee who tests positive steps out, they'll just hire a new set of group of people to come right in and replace them for the for the time being, which is completely. I'm not saying they couldn't deny the job offer, but it's still completely unfair that an employee had to be stopped for a new one to come into them, and now this new employee is going to be at risk, and then then the new employees are not even being notified. Right. So the exponential growth is just leading up to. Uh, Prime Week, where it's like peak season, and every station is being at use. Everyone's working on top of each other. Yeah, everyone's just working on top of each other now. So now, what is your current status um, with Amazon? Uh, I just got off the phone with the regional uh, HR manager. Uh, we're we're discussing that. We're just we're just trying to discuss like what's what what they, Amazon could do for me. And honestly, right now it's it's discrimination that. I'm being I'm being told that I'm gonna lose my job if I don't come to work yet for a whole year. I'm telling you guys that my health is important, and I'm not I'm not saying I wanted to quit, but I'm at I'm at a point where I have I'm gonna have to recover for the four to six weeks after a kidney transplant. Yeah. That they're also trying to get rid of my insurance. That they're just making more. I'm gonna be in more financial debt than I'm already am as a 22 year old. Yeah. And this is, it, it, this is awesome. it's unfair. It's, unfa it's unfair that if they take away my insurance, thank God I have another one that backs it up. But that that in turn only covers so much of the kidney transplant. Right. So both ways, I'm still paying out of pocket and I still need help that all Amazon is doing is adding on stress that now I have to worry about losing a job that, you know, I'm fighting for. And I, I, I got to have the right to stay home because I'm sick and I'm at a risk of getting uh, COVID right. that 30 to 35 percent. I have to be on a respirator, a ventilator, and I'm 22 years old. I shouldn't have to fight for my life like this. No, I shouldn't I, have to. I agree. I agree. Look, I, if they can't see how clearly COVID is, could be a deadly thing for you to catch with lupus, that's just beyond the pale to me. Uh, that isn't up for debate. And they have absolutely risked your health by putting you in an environment in which they're not following the proper protocols to prevent disease transmission. So uh, the negligence there is clear. Um, so... When you were in that facility, you know, there's all these reports now of of employees getting written up for going to the bathroom because it took longer than five minutes when their right. station might have been, you know, five minutes, four minutes away from where the bathroom was because it's on the other side of the facility. Correct. How, that is just egregious to me that they would put somebody in that position. Were you ever uh, a party to having that happen to you or witness, witness that happen to another employee while you were there? Uh, there's multiple times. I mean, in our facility, we uh, we have diff uh, four different floors that have bathrooms, but the bathrooms can have cleaning at the time. The, the the toilets aren't working. There were times I actually had to go to the other side of the warehouse, and that builds up time off tasks, which is TLT, and that's how employees get written up. Okay. And we have to sit there and explain to our, explain to our managers that hey, the bathroom wasn't working at this time. I had to go to the the next floor or the other side of the facility to use the bathroom. And they rather not hear. They either sometimes they'll hear it and they'll vouch for you and be like, "Okay, 
those managers that be like, no, I didn't want to hear it. But honestly, me and my, I, I actually had to. I had to go all the way to the, from the fourth floor, I had to go all the way to the first floor to use the bathroom. And it takes time. You have to walk down a bunch of stairs, use the bathroom, and then go back up. Right. And that affects our rates. And then that's all, how else we get written up when our rates are messed up. Yeah, that's crazy to me. So uh, they would be able to know this, though, because they were monitoring your every move while you were at working. So they would know if you yes. were not being, you know, productive within a certain time of frame. That is just so, um, that is such an invasion of privacy on a level that I can't wrap my Correct. head around, quite frankly. It's labor tracking. They call it labor tracking. Once okay. they just scan, once they scan, you're basically already in the system and you're working. And when you start taking breaks, it starts adding up over time. And at the end of the week, you could probably have two or three hours of TOT and not know it because you're just using the bathroom and you're walking back and forth to the bathroom. And like I said, it adds up. And then they're going to ask you, we had two hours the last TOT, three hours, what was going on those times? Well, I had to use the bathroom on the other side of the warehouse. And if the bathroom isn't being, if the bathroom's being cleaned or the bathroom's broken, I have to travel. I'm going to have to walk to the other side. I mean, yeah, so th and it, that should not be um, something worth being penalized for. It's absolutely ludicrous to me. Uh, oh. So clearly, Amazon needs to unionize. Uh, we have the effort that's ongoing. The, the uh, votes are being counted in Alabama as we speak. What do you think is going to happen there? Do you think the union um, is going to be successful? The union will be successful. Um, it's, it's time for a union. It, it's employees like me, employees with families. It's, it's, it's just that there's a bunch of employees I can name right now that been fired from Amazon. They were hard workers. Right. It's just since Amazon is not union, they have the right to fire you whenever they want. You could be the best employee like I was. Uh, you could always be on time, come in early, do whatever they actually do, and you'll do it. And one day you're just, you know, some dirt on their shoulders and they'll brush you off and just hire someone else. Right. So... It's it's time for that these employees that who lost their jobs for, you know, un, unpresidential reasons, un, unprecedented reasons, that these 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 reasons were not valid for them to be fired. Right. They had to be fired for a valid reason. But like I said, being that best friend Alabama's on the way to being unionized, if not, that I hope so. I hope yeah. We we need them. We with them being that if best friend Alabama gets unionized, that opens up all the states for Amazon to be unionized. Right, right. No, absolutely. And I, I'd like to see that happen. Um, Jay, is there any important aspects of your story that we haven't discussed yet? Honestly, it, everything's really been discussed. It's just, okay. you know, Lucas isn't really talked about as much. And, uh, you know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of people in Amazon. There's 750,000 workers in Amazon. And you could probably say a quarter to, a quarter percent of them probably have a medical issue. Yeah. Some of them that probably don't even know or some of them that they right. do know that um that they need to they need to be talked about and they need to be protected. And if they want to be protected, it's through unions and unions will help. So, you know, I'm not I'm I'm saying I'm saying what I'm really trying to say is being that uh unionizing is happening now, be that these employees that are in health issues, families or children, you you know, you you guys will be protected. And you guys with medical issues need to start speaking out because yeah. not a lot of people know. Not a lot of people know about lupus nephritis or lupus in general. Right. And it's 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 like cancer, but it's not. I was treated like a cancer patient. I had chemotherapy. Right. Um, you know, it's just you. Everyone with medical issues, you have to be aware of your surroundings. 
who you're around, if they tested positive, if their family tested positive, that we want you guys to be safe out there. I personally want you guys to be safe out there. Uh, Job-wise, Amazon or not, I want you guys to stay safe. Because I lost two uncles during the pandemic, and they both had medical issues. Right. And it's really heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Absolutely. No job is worth dying for. Wall Street is not worth dying for. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Amazon workers unionized. <laughs>